Hear the word of God from the book of Acts 11, 1 through 18, located on page 895 in the Pew Bible. Now the apostles and the believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him, saying, Why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? Then Peter began to explain it to them, step by step, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. There was something like a large sheet coming down from heaven, being lowered by its four corners, and it came close to me. As I looked at it closely, I saw four-footed animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, and birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I replied, By no means, Lord, for nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a second time the voice answered from heaven, What God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times. Then everything was pulled up again to heaven. At that very moment, three men sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were. The Spirit told me to go with them and not to make a distinction between them and us. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will give you a message by which you and your entire household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as it had upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he gave us when he believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? When they heard this, they were silenced. And they praised God, saying, Then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everybody. The Lord be with you. Friends, if you weren't here last Sunday, you wouldn't have heard the announcement that Sherlyn, who is our regular worship leader, is on maternity leave. She's expecting the arrival of her baby later this week. And so for that period that she's away, uh, Brent Walker, uh, together with uh, Amy Isel, will be leading the Joyful Praise team. And what an incredible job they've already done this morning. I think let's give them another hand, shall we? You may have noticed in the bulletin that the sermon today is open to interpretation. Uh, that's a deliberate play on words, so I'd ask very much for your prayers as we, as we proceed together. Let's bow our heads as we pray. And now, O oh God, may only your word be spoken And may only your word be heard, for we pray this in the name of Christ Jesus, the living word. Amen. 
every Sunday without fail, a passage from the Bible is read in this church. And after the passage is read, the reader concludes, as Sarah did this morning, with these words, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you think about it, that's quite an audacious claim, isn't it? That the words we read from the Bible are nothing less than a word from God specifically for us. How is this possible? After all, we are a pretty diverse bunch with almost infinitely diverse circumstances. On any given Sunday morning, Within this gathered congregation, there are those carrying crushing burdens and those full of the joys of life. There are those who are still brand new to the ideas of God and faith and those who have been exploring these all their lives. There are those needing to be comforted in the challenges they face and those needing to be challenged in the comforts they have embraced. How then is it possible in the midst of all of this diversity represented in this gathered congregation, how is it possible that one passage of Scripture is able to speak a relevant and penetrating word from God into each And every one of our lives. Clearly, this cannot be dependent upon the preacher, which is a great relief for the likes of me. Although what's equally true is that often a preacher can get in the way of that word from God spoken to the hearts of the hearers. That's a condition that could be termed a theological thrombosis which is a clot in the pulpit. Please pray that you won't be afflicted with such a condition today. But if it's true, if it's possible that the words that we read together from the pages of the Bible are nothing less than the word of God for the people of God, then of course we can't help but respond by saying, thanks be to God, for this is surely the very best of news. Who of us can say that we don't need to hear a word from God? That hearing such a word in the midst of the noise and chaos and confusion of our lives that hearing such a word spoken directly to us wouldn't make all the difference in the world. So friends, what then is needed for us to hear, to really hear the words that God has in mind for each one of us that comes to us personally and directly through the pages of the Bible? Well, that's a big question with many answers. Entire college courses are dedicated to biblical hermeneutics, which is the study of how to interpret the Bible. It's way beyond the scope of the sermon to even scratch the surface of this broad and fascinating field. And so today, I just want to say one thing about how we can approach the Bible, how we can read it, 
that I believe can better enable us all to hear what God longs to say to us through it. Quite simply, it is this. As far as God is concerned, the Bible is open to interpretation. As far as God is concerned, the Bible is open to interpretation. That's part of the genius of the biblical revelation. That's part of the very design that God intends for this book. Now, that might sound like a strange thing to say. I mean, we usually approach the Bible from the perspective that it contains fixed and unchanging truths about God and ourselves and the world, and that our task in reading the Bible is to uncover these truths and then to apply them to our lives. That God is waiting for us just to get it, darn it, to understand what God has been trying to say all along. In other words, biblical interpretation is all about arriving at the correct meaning of the Bible. And the implication is that once that truth is revealed, once that correct meaning has been found, well, then the Bible really has little more to say to us because we've got it. And so the only reason to keep on reading it is to be reminded of this static truth that is final and complete as we have understood it to be. But I'd like to suggest this morning that that's not how God views the Bible. What if we were to think of things in a radically different way? What if we were to approach the Bible not as a static encyclopedia of a whole lot of information about God, but rather as a love letter drawing us into a vital and dynamic and living relationship with God? A relationship that takes seriously where we are our levels of understanding and what we are capable of comprehending about the awesome immensities of holy mysteries that takes that seriously lovingly gently but also takes seriously the possibilities of where we might yet grow and what still may be in store for us in this unfolding relationship that is ours with God what if we were to approach the Bible as an open book, not a closed one, that boldly invites us into an exciting journey of endless discovery of who God is and who we are in God? Such an approach shifts the focus from this obsession on finding the right interpretation to a recognition that our interpretations of Scripture along the way, changing as we change and as our understanding of God changes, that they each play their part in the unfolding story of God becoming known and loved in our lives.
it seems to me that those who insist that there is only one correct interpretation of the Bible or any particular portion of it, and usually those are the ones who claim that it's their interpretation that is the correct one, it seems to me that for these people, something calcifies within them. And sadly, I believe they shut themselves off from the living, shaping, dynamic word of God that can lead them on to so much more. Peter Rollins has written a parable that illustrates what I'm trying to express. Let me share it with you. One day, a small group of disciples who had embraced the way of Jesus early in his ministry heard him preaching by the side of a dusty road. As they crowded around him, they heard him say, the law requires that you carry a pack for one mile, but I say, carry it freely for two. The disciples were deeply impressed by these words, for at that time a Roman soldier had the legal right to demand that a citizen carry his pack for a mile as a service to the empire. This teaching not only allowed the disciples to turn this oppressive law into an opportunity to demonstrate kingdom values, but also presented them with an opportunity to suffer in some small way for their faith. As it was common for soldiers to evoke this law, the small band of believers soon developed a reputation for their actions. Roman soldiers would often hope that the citizens they asked to carry their packs would be amongst these disciples, and often a small bond of friendship would develop between a soldier and these followers of the way. After a year had passed, this custom had become so established in the group that it became a defining characteristic of their shared life. The leaders would frequently refer to the teaching of Jesus and emphasize the need to carry the pack of a Roman soldier for two miles as a sign of one's faith and commitment to God. It so happened that Jesus heard about this community's work and on his way to Jerusalem took time to visit them. The leaders eagerly gathered all the members of the group to hear what Jesus had to say. Once everyone was gathered, Jesus addressed them. Dear brothers and sisters, you are faithful and honest. But I've come to you with a second message. For you failed to understand the first. Your law says that you must carry a pack for two miles. My law says... Carry it for three. It's a great parable. It reminds us that whenever we take God's word and try to lock it down into a rigid and unyielding system, we distort the spirit of it. And so Christ comes lovingly and graciously to move us on to new understandings and interpretations. For that is always the intention of God's word at work in our lives. 
This has been the consistent experience of the church over the ages. In fact, if the history of the church has anything to teach us, it should be that we must be wary of locking ourselves into rigid interpretations and understandings and assumptions of how God is able to move and work within the world and within our own lives. That, in fact, was the exact experience of the early church when it came to its interpretation of the place of Gentiles in its midst. The passage from Acts 11 that Sarah read for us earlier tells that story. You see, at the time, within the body of believers, there was a clear understanding and interpretation of their scriptures of the importance of being circumcised if you were to belong to the ways of God. And so when the circumcised believers heard what Peter had done in eating with uncircumcised Gentiles, they were indignant. Hadn't he read the scriptures? Didn't he know what it said? Well, the shift that occurred in Peter happened in the most extraordinary way. He was praying, and in his prayer, a vision came to him. He saw a sheet descending from heaven, and on it, all kinds of animals. And with the vision of the sheet with the animals, the command to get up, to kill, and to eat, at which point Peter said, No, by no means, Lord. Nothing profane has ever entered my mouth. You see, Peter knew the scriptures. At that point, he probably would have, could have quoted chapter and verse. But the work of God and of the Spirit wasn't finished with him. And the movement of the Spirit was such that Peter heard God saying, Don't you call unclean what I have called clean. And immediately thereafter, there arrived Gentiles inviting him to their home. And with their invitation, the further convicting word of the spirits to go and to make no distinction between them and the others. And so Peter went and witnessed the outpouring of the Spirit upon them and the recognition that the old understandings of who was in and who was out needed to be shifted. Such was the engaging work of the Spirit at work within the life of that community. It's a biblical example of the principle that the Bible is open to interpretation, that that's part of God's design, that the very design intended by God is for this book to be open, to draw us onwards, that the Bible should not be viewed as a destination of meaning that needs to be arrived at, but rather as a means to draw us into this ongoing, unfolding relationship of discovering who God is and who we are in God. Just think for a moment what that might mean for us in our understandings of faith. 
to recognize that the Bible calls us to an openness, to the diverse ways of understanding the infinitude that is God, to be open to the fresh wind of the Spirit who enlivens the church in every generation, leading us ever more deeply into new insights and understandings that will more faithfully represent the God the God whom we seek to serve. And so as we think about what this means for us today, one of the most controversial issues facing the church and the ways in which it reads and interprets the the scriptures has to do with the question of same-sex relationships. Within the church, there are sharply divergent positions on this question, which I suspect are represented even in our midst today. There are those that feel that the Bible is clear and unequivocal in its condemnation of same-sex relationships. For them, it's a settled question. It's the only possible interpretation of what they believe the Bible has to say about it. Friends, I must be bold in sharing with you that I see it differently. I have seen what I believe to be the clear working of the Spirit in the lives of gay and lesbian friends who have helped to bring for me the picture of Jesus into clearer and sharper focus. And as I look around at what seems to be this ongoing movement of the Spirit in our midst, of this I am increasingly convinced. That until such time as the church is able to come to the place of fully embracing and celebrating the place, of gay and lesbian individuals and couples within its midst. There will be a diminishment in us, in our understandings of what the Bible is saying and what it means for us to be the gathered people of God. And so with that conviction, I'm going to pause right there and allow a beloved brother in Christ to conclude this sermon for me, as it were. And so I'd like to invite Gabe to come forward. He's a member of Joyful Praise, just to share something of his story. Thank you, Gabriel, for your willingness to share together today. Good morning. My name is Gabe Alves Tomko, and I have been a member of High Park for about three years. I came to High Park with a lot of scars from many battles I waged. I grew up in a very conservative church in Brazil, where I was very active there. In 2000, I decided to come to the U.S. to study, and I consequently became very involved with a church in Pinellas County, where later I joined the staff. Because of the way that I was raised, I believed that being gay was wrong and a sin. 
So even after getting married, I continue to fight against who I am. I went through years of therapy and prayed so many times that God would take this away. I could not comprehend why such a loving God would create such a broken piece like me. I came to High Park with a very jaded heart. Broken by the way I allowed myself to be treated. Broken by the judgment and lack of acceptance of who I am and who I love. Broken by the confusion inside of my heart that could not reconcile who I am with the faith and religious interpretation that was passed on to me. I must say that when I walked through these doors, I had all of you figure it out. I said to myself, here we go again. Another place that they would try to change who I am after saying, we love you, but we don't really like the way that you are or what you do. But I was wrong. Instead, I was welcomed here and valued. After attending for a couple months, I took the courage to get involved. I met with Pastor Vicky Walker, who with a compassionate heart, not only listened to my story, but also cried with me and helped me to get involved. I remember her taking me through the parking lots to meet um, Sherlyn. And then next was singing. Next she asked me to teach a class on cultural sensitivity since I worked for so many years with missions. I must say that once I left my old church, I never thought I would be teaching or singing in any church again. I thought once they knew who I really am, I would no longer be welcomed. I was wrong, wrong, wrong. Here was being taught once more that God loves me, that I was not a mistake. I was welcomed and valued as a human being, child of God who happened to be gay. So many lessons, so much love, so much true acceptance. And I'm glad to be here. I'm happy that today I have a church family where my husband, my kids, and I are welcome and have a chance to be part of the life of this church. I got married last September in Hawaii. And when we, uh, we got back from Hawaii, Sherlyn told me that Joyful Praise wanted to throw us a shower. I remember driving to Bob and Lisa's home and telling my husband, Aaron, like, I have no idea what to expect. I don't know who is going to be there. <laughs> and when we got there, it was a big surprise. Not only my friends from Joyful Praise, but also many of the But many of the pastor staff were also there to celebrate our love, to celebrate us. It was amazing to see and feel the love poured out on us by God through our church family. The beauty of High Park is that we encourage you to think, to question, to feel, and to know that even though we might not agree on everything, we can still be called brothers and sisters. We can still come together in peace and not fight over our, over our, our many differences, but truly celebrate how beautiful and diverse God's creation is. My husband, my kids, and I are very blessed to be here today. God bless you.
the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.